What will I say then? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Oh, be honest be what? authentic no tell gross me, tell me how you really mm, feel yuck <laughs> or don't say anything at all that would be very weird for me. <laughs> very what a power move oh my god you just show just up all this way just stonewall you the whole time mm-hmm. I guess yeah do you say so? this is Van Collar My name is Mo Amir, and today on This is Van Color, we continue to wrap up the year with some of my favorite guests returning to the podcast for all new episodes. Today, I am joined by arguably the best comic in the city of Vancouver right now. You may remember her from over a year ago on episode 20. She was also the featured guest on the live This is Van Color Fear of Science podcast smash-up at the Vancouver Podcast Festival last month, which you can listen to right here on This is Van Color. You know her from CBC's The Debaters. She just recorded her first comedy album right here in Vancouver for a slated February 2020 release. And she's one of the creators of The Lady Show, a variety show here in Vancouver performed by a troupe of comedic talents. The brave, the beautiful, and the brilliant. She is Katie Ellen Humphreys. Katie Ellen, how are you? Oh my goodness. Blushing is how I am. You were cracking up over there. Mm, well, I'm just uh, going sure. through your resume. Uh, okay. I didn't even go into the swimming stuff. Yeah, I don't think my, my resume does not have the arguably the best part in it. That's not, I didn't write that. That's important to, to know. I'm making the argument. No, I know you are, but to no, no one is challenging. Like, I don't mean no, no one one's is challenging me. I don't mean I no one's challenging right. I mean, no one is having that conversation. I was like, Katie, who? What? Oh, weird take. I think you're underselling yourself. Okay. I just think it's important for the podcast listener to know that I'm blushing. <laughs> They could hear you. They could hear the blushing. Oh, yeah, yeah, You, yeah. you conveyed it very well. Yeah, it's true. It's Dimples in. were out. Yeah, yeah, it's in my voice. <laughs> it's good to see you. Yeah, back at you, bud. You know, if we count the live show that we just did at the Vancouver Podcast Festival, you have been featured on This Is Van Color more than anyone else. Three times. I mean, obviously. It's basically your show now. Yeah, you can yeah do I am you official co-host. <laughs> I've actually been seeing like a lot of you lately, which is good. It's true. Yeah, I saw your comedy album taping. Yes. We shared the stage at the Van Podfest, like I just said. Correct. And now we're here. Yeah. Can't get enough. Is this dating? Are we dating I now? honestly have no idea. Maybe. We're dating, aren't we? Sure. <laughs> yeah. Break that news. I certainly see you more than most people. Oh, I feel so privileged. Yeah. Is this male privilege? Mm, yeah. <laughs> You got me on that one. No, I just can't get enough. I think uh, I've I've been on clouds because I get to hear your jokes and see your face. So thank you so much for being here. <laughs> All right. Okay. And a little Let's, much. Uh, a little much. We'll dial, dial it back. back. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty good. Good to be here. For those of you who haven't turned it off because I seem obnoxious, uh, happy to have you listening. Cool, 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 cool. Good time. <laughs> Okay, let's get into the serious questions. Then. Yeah, get deep. Okay. Get in it. Katie Ellen Humphreys. Mm-hmm. What's it like to be a woman in comedy? I will murder you. <laughs> I could barely keep a straight I know, face I could asking see that question. I was like, what are we doing here? What, what's the deal? Okay, yeah. Why do you get that question so much? Oh, you know, because it's fascinating. <laughs> I'm not sure. I think because it's still, for some reason... Uh, well, women are still very much othered in comedy, even though and uh, even though they're grossly successful at it. Um, We're yeah. not talking about parody, but there are women comics who've completely blown up and they're huge stars, right? Yeah, for some reason, it's still discussed like that is a sort of brand new concept. <laughs> yeah, um, and which seems so strange. You know, I'm a a, a straight appearing cis white woman mm-hmm. and that comes with enormous amounts of privilege and in then but still in this one in this industry like just the idea that that's the person that's still trying to Margaret be like do you understand how many more groups of people we should be talking about sure, and making yeah. space for and I like that is it's like what how are we still going, oh, so boring so boring is it 
shallow or is it ignorant? Where where does it lie in that spectrum? Well, I think also it's salacious oftentimes because oh. the industry, there's, I mean, there's a lot of Me Too stories, there's a lot of sexual assault stories. There's a lot right. of, it's just sort of this rampant and it's an industry that if you're not in it, you don't know about it, but it happens in dark nightclubs and there's booze and there's drugs and there's mental illness and there's mm-hmm. no checks and balances and there's no human resources. Like it's not like other industries in that way. Right. And so because of that, in the same way that we like, we like all kinds of trauma stories and that people are like, they kind of, that's what they... That's what they're fishing for? I don't think they know that, but I think hmm. so. Like, I think it is kind of, there's an element of excitement in these types of, like, they want to, and and maybe, or maybe they don't know that that's, maybe... Maybe they don't know that, so how mm-hmm. could they be fishing for that? But it feels like that a little bit. like, Or when they get little tastes of it, like when there are these big examples, you know, certain if there's a high-profile person or something, that is it really? Oh, is it really like that? And be like, oh, God, it's so hard. Oh, I'd be like, yes. Yep, that it, it's been, yep. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you, you put on that voice, but I think some people might just might not know that it's really like that. What's that like? <laughs> uh, again, male. It's male, and it's very privileged. <laughs> cool. Sounds fun. When you get asked that, then, mm-hmm. like, how do you actually answer? Like, when someone's genuinely asking you that question, mm-hmm. what it's like to be a woman in comedy, do you just explain like you just did, or do you actually give an answer <laughs> to the literal question? Yeah, it really depends. I mean, sometimes I might try to reframe the conversation, and if there's a way that I can, if there's something I do want to talk about that I can somehow leapfrog off that question and that I can get in but uh, you just run your own agenda maybe but to be honest <laughs> I mean the, my go-to is sort of that being a woman in comedy is not very different than being a woman anywhere else and the whatever you see in comedy is reflective of whatever you're seeing anywhere else and in any other part of the world and so we like to focus in like the oh comedy is so sexist or comedy is whatever like comedy is racist or comedy these things be like mm-hmm Yes, comedy is a mirror. <laughs> comedy is just reflective of whatever else we're doing anywhere else. Yeah. So it's really not, I mean, it is still, continues to be very male dominated. And so for that reason, I think it gets, but there's, I don't, you know, we could be asking the same thing. We could be saying this about tech. We could be saying it about mm-hmm. STEM still with things like this. Um, I mean, partly, uh, I think female comedians are in a, position where we are like made to articulate these things because that's sort of our only trade yeah <laughs> it's being able to articulate things sure but. that's a really good point and i think that's why the me too movement in a lot of ways struck a nerve with some people who were outside of the industries that were particularly being highlighted by me too right and you mm-hmm. get these like corporate white collar guys that suddenly are very angsty about that because they're starting to self-reflect on some of their behavior and how it's It's a very hard time for men, I hear. It's <laughs> I heard that on the the Lady Show, actually. <laughs> no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just Oh, saying. I know you're not. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> I don't think it's hard at all, but uh, but I see it in in the sector that I work in where you have men of a certain age in particular that think it's okay to like hit on waitresses and they clearly do because there's no consequence, and the waitress has to be nice to you to a certain point, right? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's a, there are certain. I mean, there's there's gradients of that, right? So, mm-hmm. and when and I didn't mean to be flipping there. When oh, it's a hard time for men, I just that phrase is very funny to me. And it is when I don't actually mean to be dismissive of the anxiety that men trying to navigate what for them is new territory or new ideas or things like this because mm-hmm. we are all part of the same culture and society we've all uh, in we've all absorbed the same messaging coming up and the same media and, and the same ideas and the same things and it's just women have been forced to reckon with them and to try to destroy them and and unpack them are you saying don't hate the player, hate the game? You know what? I think that's probably, yeah. I think that's spot on what I'm saying. Uh, and so even, the, you know, that's a great example. So a guy who is just maybe, uh, it, you know, likes to be a little friendly or a little flirty with mm-hmm. the waitress is now thinking that he's being vilified in the same way as someone who puts his hands on that waitress or says truly disgusting things to that right. waitress. And that that's not happening. I mean, we I still, people have capacity for nuance, but, and they, you know, there's a, 
there are certain uh, boundaries and safety in place with being a little bit flirtatious with people in service if that's all you're doing in the same way of like if I were to flirt with you right now and like if I was smiling at you or something I want everyone to know very clearly I'm not I'm disgusted <laughs> this is a horrible time <laughs> we, we, we started off so nicely and sweetly yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that was a real uh, plot twist <laughs> yeah 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 um, but I think that I am amused a little bit by that an- that anxiety of like, well, what should I do? I don't know how to function anymore. And be like, that's not, mm. that's really not the, uh, the problem. Yeah. You're like, I don't know. Did you hear about that episode of Survivor they had recently? Certainly not. Go on. You have not? Okay. It's a very long story. I don't want to get into the characters and stuff. But basically, there was a particular woman who felt like, she just felt uncomfortable with certain touching from one of the male contestants. Yes. And so she came out, made this accusation. The producers actually stepped in. It was like they really broke the fourth wall. Oh. And the producers came in. They they had a talking to with the guy. And then there was an older woman there who came to the defense. And then there was even this. Defense of which? The uh, victim in this case, quote okay. unquote. Victim. sure. And then there was a, another gentleman who also was trying to explain this thing about privilege and how, you know, we have to listen to, if those are her genuine concerns, we have to listen and, and whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So basically the victim got voted out right away. Oh, sure. <laughs> and then the guy that came to her defense and was actually talking about things in a broad, broader way and, you uh-huh. know, wanted to have that conversation, uh, he was voted out. And then the, <laughs> the older woman that came to the defense of the victim it was ostracized from the group. So it was a really great lesson. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> that's so, I don't want to say that's funny, but it's so funny. It's like, hey, listen, these conversations are so important, <laughs> but also so annoying. Please leave. But it goes back to what you were saying about how some of these things mirror life. And I'm not saying yeah, that yeah. Survivor entirely accurately mirrors life, but the idea that sometimes the, the person who is quote unquote victimized or feels marginalized sometimes they don't win and a lot of times they don't win and that's kind of the problem almost consistently yeah 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 yeah. but we think of we think of the especially in the narrative yeah lives are ruined there's justice yeah there's also yeah this argument that you know people's lives are ruined but or even making the accusation at someone yeah it's gonna ruin their life and it's like that guy's still in the show he's still in an alliance (laughs) he's fine yeah that's a great (laughs) metaphor yeah well, there really is a feeling that uh, that criticism is the same thing as consequence. I mean, mm. it is a consequence, I suppose, but it's not the same as, uh, you know, being voted off an island. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, fair it's enough. It's just like kind of a bummer. Before we go too far down this rabbit hole cool. and I yes. end up saying something dumb. I've already said I, tons of dumb stuff. Well, I might have Get in here. Well. Congratulations on taping your first comedy album. Hey, thank you. I so I know much. that we've only known each other for a year, but and I hope this doesn't sound weird. Where but do we meet again? Right here oh, on right. This Is Van Keller. Oh, I forgot. As endorsed by Ivan Decker. Oh, that's right. <laughs> oh. And I hope this doesn't sound weird. I was so proud and happy just to see you crush it on stage. I was there on the Friday night, so that was your first taping. Yeah. And I know, and it shows that it was just like a culmination of so many years of work and hustle. And as I told you, I think you're big magic. Oh, thank you. And I think you're an incredible talent. And, and I think you are the best comic in Vancouver right now. I know you laughed at that, but I would argue. Yeah, I've continued to laugh at it. <laughs> I would argue that. I know you would. It's very sweet. I appreciate it. It's not throwing shade at anyone. I want to be very clear. I think that title is fluid but I think you have it right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a championship wrestling belt. <laughs> yeah. Someone's coming for it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. But I want to talk about something you said at the end of your set uh, mm-hmm. that shocked me and it shocked a lot of people. And you basically told everyone that before recording your album, you had never headlined your home club. And I feel like there was a collective gasp in the room, like people <gasps> were shocked. Because they were all fans of yours, and they see, and they, and myself included, see you as a headliner. Yes. And when I thought it was cool that you talked about it, and I, I told you this as well, I was genuinely moved by it because I think everyone has that experience of feeling like there's arbitrary unfairness in this world. And so to see someone finally triumph after working so hard and so deservedly to be there, it was inspiring. And I think everyone in that room also felt like it was long overdue. How did you... You know, like, lots of those people 
That's the first time they've ever saw me. Yes, like 50% of that audience at least. Okay, well then they acted like they were your biggest stands, I guess. No, I think for sure. I mean, it was was very beautiful. It was a beautiful reaction, but I don't, they weren't, they didn't know who Katie Ellen was. There was a collective gasp. Oh, certainly there was. (laughs) But how do you feel about it? I mean, how do you feel about the first time that you headline your home club is the first time you're recording an album? Yeah, I mean, and just for some clarity, it's the first time that I've headlined a weekend at the oh, club. So okay. I've headlined at that at that club before, but one-offs and sure. weeknight shows. Okay, um, but so not a not a weekend. And but the weekend's the money show. The weekend, well, and it's when you get a run of shows as well. So yeah. you get, I mean, in this case, three, but oftentimes it's you know three to four, sometimes five, mm. um, which is a real is a real privilege when you're trying to work on a long set like that is to get that that stage time to to run that like and sure yes the money is better and then that is yeah and and there's something about also being brought up to the stage as the headlining act that's just it will be a different energy your entire performance mm-hmm. and there's challenges that come with that because also that is when you know three quarters of the way through the set checks get dropped down and now people are doing math during your set and trying to settle <laughs> up and you know then and also they may be drunker because they mm. have been in the room for an hour and a half before you get there they might be tired there's are those challenges that come with going on last but there's also this huge boon that you get because from the start of the show, yeah, they know that they're building, they're being told that they're being built to this headlining act. They know that you're going on last your setup to, you know, there's a, there's an expectation mm-hmm. uh, that, that you're going to be, you know, quote unquote the best. Yeah. I was and, projecting all my nervous energy onto you. Yeah. I was like, use this, channel this somehow. <laughs> oh, I love that. I hope it worked. Um, but oftentimes that really does manifest as well is that you, you get this benefit of the doubt that maybe mm. other acts don't get because they, you know, and for, there may be a challenge in that as well. Some mm-hmm. people might say, oh, okay, well, that should supposed to be the best one. But more often than not, they just sort of take the thing like, great, this one's going to be like, you're going to be great. And so they can turn off a little bit of that critical eye and just enjoy themselves. Mm. And you get to do your whole set. You get to come up with that benefit of the doubt and you get to do your set in Mm -hmm. in that energy. And so without having a chance to ever do that, yeah, uh, you you don't get to run and you don't get to run your full set. So did you never run your full set on stage? Uh, I ran it. Uh, I ran it once earlier in the month up in Whitehorse, which is my okay. favorite place to perform. There's a beautiful theater called The Guild, and they brought me up, uh, and it's beautiful audiences and a great show. Mm-hmm. And then aside from that, yeah, it was be- I would be running it in at max 20-minute chunks or wow. usually more like 10. Wow. And so by the end of the weekend, so I, only, I did three times, and even by Saturday, I felt like it was so much stronger than it was on Friday just, you know, because you find these little elements. And also, I fundamentally am a writer more than a performer. I, mm. I feel like I've grown as a performer and I feel strong on stage now. But my my fundamental background is as a writer. Mm-hmm. And those are those little things. Just And they're tiny. They're little segues or they're tiny little... Or you see how things go together in a way now because, they're, you, because you're stringing them in a certain order and that type of thing. Yeah. And you can and you know how the energy flows kind of throughout the whole act, and you can play with that and things. And so by Saturday, it was so much stronger than it was Friday, and that was one day earlier. But I just had the chance to do it now three times straight. Right. And uh, and so I did feel incredibly proud, and I'm excited about the album. But I also did I did come away from the weekend with a a pretty healthy chunk of resentment <laughs> about, and I am a perfectionist, so that's always going to... Who's that resentment directed towards? I, I mean, it's directed towards the industry at large, I okay. think. And because uh, it's certainly not personal. I've seen it with mm-hmm. other acts as as well. I'm, uh, so so I think that the one of the best comics in Canada right now and in North America generally, I think with the, com- with the most promise is Sophie Buttle, Sure. I just think she's so strong, and she recorded her album as a middle. She had to. She's just strung together middle acts, and she didn't get a headlining, uh, headlining tour until her album was being released. What? Yeah. Wow. And again, like, and she is just. She never told me that. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's what's gross to talk about, right? Yeah. We don't want, like. It's not something that, because uh, it's, it's not like running or something you're not like my time is faster i clearly 
cross the finish line first. Yeah. So there's all this gray area. It's subjective. And so whatever you, you, you it's hard to advocate for yourself in that way. But mm-hmm. when I see it with Sophie, because to me, they're just unmistakably, you cannot miss that she is one of the strongest acts in the entire country. Sure. And in North America right now. And she's in her early 20s. She just came off a <laughs> national tour. Yeah. That's the crazy which, part. Which, you know, she now has it. She has all these TV credits and her writing is so strong and her performance is so strong. And clubs just would not headline her. Mm-hmm. And it's easy for them not to, I think, because she's a woman in her early 20s. Hmm. And so they just, they don't see her in that way, even though she just destroys. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, so she had to put her album together that way and doing it in, and even recorded in 20 minute chunks or 25 minute chunks, uh, and, and string it together. And so, and I see it, you know, there's countless examples of this very thing. Mm -hmm. And then compared to, uh, many of our peers who would have the opportunity to be running their act as headliners for maybe many years, even before Mm -hmm. they choose to, to record it. Yeah. So, Yeah. So I again, I, I the weekend was an incredible blessing, and I did. I came away with that, uh, and I, that's also the perfectionist nature, as I mentioned. So fair enough, yeah. And and I want to be clear. I think Sophie Buttle had that crown for most of the year, and I think it stole it at the end. Yeah, that's but just that's not, not to how compare. this industry works. Again. It's not it's to not compare. Wrestling. Hey, listen, that's how I'm framing it in my mind. I like to make stories, but no, sure. she is an absolutely fantastic comic, and uh, I think she was killing it. And I did see. You know, it's funny. I did see her full hour or her comedy album effectively or something close to that after the album was actually released so i think yeah yeah well she got a headlining tour after the album and it's just this like (laughs) what more could she have possibly done yeah to when you say that you you know you've only did you only did your hour on stage once effectively before recording and it wasn't here or somewhere else Mm -hmm. Just out of curiosity, do you do it at home? Do you do it in front of the mirror? I don't know how this no. process works. <laughs> I know you need the feedback from the audience, but how yeah. does that work? I mean, I don't really know, quote unquote, rehearse at home very much. When I started out, for sure, mm-hmm. that's the thing that I would do. I find it very effective to, and I do say certain, I'll say certain jokes to myself over and over mm. if I'm concerned about wording, if I've changed wording or if I'm just running it and working on things. Mm-hmm. But I would never, I, w- I couldn't now just run 45 minutes and because it, yeah, now it just has so much to do with the energy in the room right? and feedback you're getting from that and the timing. And because I now, as opposed to when I started, I have the benefit of I can get on stage almost any night of the week and I could just sit in front of people. <laughs> and it's the, the, <laughs> But not in but not in a sixty minute. Yeah, not set, sixty minutes right? at a time. Yeah, for sure. But the the real. But even then, I wouldn't. If I ran the you know sixty minutes or forty five minutes or something in my apartment, I wouldn't. That would only be for that rhetorical, that like verbal exercise. Yeah. I wouldn't be learning what I'd be learning from doing it live. I wouldn't be getting that feedback. I wouldn't be seeing those connections. Yeah. I wouldn't be putting in tags and extra things because that's just not where that comes from right is it sort of like practicing a two-person dance but just with one but just by yourself effectively like i think you're it's saying even, that you need you are not doing stand-up comedy if you're not doing it in front of someone yeah it's not like guitar i can't just like secretly become proficient or some you know virtuoso in a garage and mm. then unleash it on the world and be like look at this incredible thing i can do sure you can write at home and like, and you can recite things and you can practice saying stuff in the shower or whatever you're doing to, to bring that on stage. Yeah. But aside from saying jokes in front of other people and specifically like on a stage, yeah. and there's not, it's, then you're not doing stand up comedy. Yeah. So much is tied to the audience. Yeah. They're an right? enormous part. Yeah. You and I have had this conversation. I want to bring this up because I, I do find it fascinating. I think people need to hear it. You very jokingly have referred to comedy being the worst sometimes. Yeah. And we, we've sort of discussed how comedy is a mirror to society as a whole. Mm-hmm. So what is it about comedy that you that you see that maybe reflects our poorest tendencies, perhaps, or poorest characteristics? Well, uh, I mean, 
when I say that comedy is bad, I just mean that, you know, it's it's not uncommon to be in a room full of people and have someone on stage saying something very hateful or very ignorant or, you mm-hmm. know, is xenophobic or is homophobic or <laughs> is any other kind of phobic. And then be in a room full of people who are laughing yeah. at that thing. And that and that really normalizes that type of language and that type of behavior. And yeah, and like comedy's so interesting because the two argument the two main arguments that comedians make are Ugh, ju- it's just a joke. Relax. And then the other argument that they make is this is my church. This is sacred. <laughs> comedy is sacred. And you're like, well, which is it? Is this anointed ground? Right. And is it protected and everything that you're saying is super important and weighty? Or, hey, man, it's just a joke. Like, relax. Because <laughs> they can't really exist in the same time. Yeah. And do they sort of, do they interchange between the two arguments? Or are, are those two separate camps? No, no, it's the same. Because the, the, this is sacred. Yeah. Is, hey, you can't. You can't come into this world that you don't understand and start criticizing me. This is art. You don't understand what we're doing over here. And this is really sacred. And and there is a lot of things that are really beautiful about stand-up comedy. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you can create incredible connection and you can make people feel seen. And even if you're just, even if it's just a fart joke, which I want to go on record and say is the funniest joke you could possibly make. And it just, and people get to relax. And for a second, they're just laughing and having fun. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. And that is, I think, really beautiful. Uh, but also words matter. Yeah. <laughs> and this, uh, you know, quote unquote, it's just a joke. It's those just arguments are so counter to one another. The one that I've heard quite a bit is like, this stage is a stage for free speech and you can say whatever you want. And if you don't think it's funny, don't laugh. Yes. What, what is your, that's a, those are true. That is a true statement. (laughs) Based on that, like you're saying that obviously people are saying things that are grossly offensive and are hurtful, particularly to, to some groups. But then you hear this narrative in the media being spun about how we're getting, you know, we're, we're snowflakes or we're getting too PC or whatever. So that's why mm-hmm. I do find it interesting where you're saying perhaps even in a metropolitan place like Vancouver, there's still a lot of things that are tolerated that for some reason the media is telling us like, oh, no, we're going too far in terms of considering others. Yeah, but that's that goes back to what I was saying about how. There's this interpretation that criticism is somehow like prison. Right. You know, like if right. somebody doesn't like your act or you say something gross mm-hmm. and then they say, hey, I thought that was gross. They're like, culture, <laughs> PC police. I you do, know, and I've made yeah. mistakes. I've said, to them, I've said horrible things on stage before. Mm-hmm. Ab- absolutely. And there's room for growth and just because someone says something on stage like maybe they use a word because and they are trying to get a reaction or they're they're trying to be provocative maybe like it doesn't mean that they're a monster right um but when i also yeah when i say that that comedy is bad also it there's it's also to do with that there is no there isn't really an account there's not a lot of accountability in the industry because it all is just independent contractors for the most part. Mm-hmm. And so there's, there's no code of ethics. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. And, <laughs> and again, and there, you know, it happens mostly in places where there's a lot of drinking and there's a lot of, and there's, there's drugs and those two things also blur mm-hmm. lines for people sometimes. And yeah. One of the things that really annoys me is when people, make that free like what about free speech man mm-hmm. they, don cherry right what about free speech man yeah yeah he free as hell he can say whatever he wants <laughs> that's my whole point where free speech only is applicable to the government sanction of your speech yeah right so don cherry might have been forced to resign but he's not in prison no one's imprisoning him over what he's saying and even that i mean there's certain things that you just cannot say such as death threats you might be in prison for yeah. saying something like that but i just i cannot stand it it is it, i don't know why i i it makes me so angry because it's dumb 
it's so dumb when people say, oh, my, what about my free speech? And it's like, it doesn't mean you can use any platform you want or something has to platform you to be able to say something. Uh, and I, I'm over that. I think people just need to stop with that. <laughs> Unless someone gets arrested for a political opinion or an opinion or whatever, then that argument needs to go away. Yeah. Yeah, it's a... Yeah, it's a real bummer. It's, yeah. not a, it's not a solid argument. <laughs> what are you going to call your comedy album? Are you going to call it A Mirror to Society? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm going to call it A Mirror to Society, and then I'm going to walk into traffic. Because, <laughs> oh boy. Do you have a name? Um, I have a name. Yeah. I uh, This is, uh, Katie Allen, fun fact is that I'm never, I am very noncommittal. And so even though I'm certain, certain, I'm certain, I'm certain of what I'm going to call it. Mm-hmm. I still continue to speak in this manner of like a pretty, pretty sure, a pretty, like, I don't know. It's, it's not, I mean, it didn't, it's not printed. I don't know, could change. Uh, I'm going to call the album Ladyfinger. Ladyfinger. Oh, that's a perfect Thank name. you. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, I like it. For a show like that, mm-hmm. for Ladyfinger, sure. as it's currently titled. Yeah, yeah, working title, Ladyfinger. Do you have like a pre-show routine? Uh, How'd you hype yourself up? <laughs> I, hype myself up. I, uh, I listen to, uh, I just listen to music and I get dressed. And in this case, I walk six blocks because the club's real near my house. So it's real nice. Is like it, it a lot. Is it a oh, I usually fast br- fast-paced walk? Like, are you oh, always. I, yeah. There's no other type of walk that I'm ever doing. <laughs> Ever seen me? No gentle strolls? Nope. Oh, okay. Listen, I'll I'll saunter, but at a pace. (laughs) How did it look like Saturday night after you finished the two shows? Drunk, look so drunk. Yeah? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Was that your ritual and and celebration? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it looked like tequila. It was great. How many gift bags did you collect by the end of that weekend? Oh no! I zero gift bags. I got uh, zero gift bags. Zero gift bags. How I got many gifts. I mean, uh, I mean, uh, you were there, and yet I <laughs> still zero gift bags. I don't know. Uh, I got a beautiful bouquet of flowers. Oh, that's and nice. I got two cards. Yeah, and I got a bunch of tequila bought oh. for me. And you drank it all that night. I sure did. Yeah, I nice. put it inside my blood. Nice. So I didn't start a cultural trend of getting your celebrity crush gift bag um not so far but also you could have continued it you could have shown a whole bunch of people uh, i will no. have to spread the word for your next show i guess please don't <laughs> everyone bring a gift bag you know there's people like in my career friends that would totally gift you a gift bag cool how about you like you all go in on one gift card <laughs> like a visa gift card just cash just bring cash yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> Great show. Here's a token of appreciation. Uh, Bunch of twenties. That's what I would. I mean, you do road gigs very often. People want to buy you shots. Oh, do a mm. shot, and you're like, I don't. If like all of you put six bucks instead of toward whiskey, this would be a great night for me. Yeah. I don't want those shots. They want to do shots with you. They want the experience of doing shots with you. Yeah, yeah. I don't blame them. I'm real fun drunk, but I don't want to. Yeah. The last time you were here, mm-hmm. I was about to see Whitney Cummings for the second time. Yes. With a second gift bag. Yes. And since then, I've seen her three times. And? Delivered three gift bags. Three gift bags. <laughs> the, you are a one-man wise man oh, troop. That is my celebrity crush. I've already staked my claim on the celebrity crush. I can't change it now. Yes, that's how crushes work. <laughs> they are immovable. It's the principle of it, okay? I can't be doing this to every celebrity crush I might have. Yeah, that's absolutely why I'm going to marry the boy I said I had a crush on when I was in high school, just so that I people didn't think I was a weirdo because I didn't have crushes on people. Yeah, I mean, I followed the logic. Yeah, yeah, we're going to be real happy together. But the the last time was here in Vancouver. Yes. And it was magical. Go on. This was for her tour in anticipation of her Netflix special, effectively. And she had this gag where she talks about pulling her finger. And she was looking, I was sitting front row. She's looking right at me and stuck her finger out 
and was like looking at me. So yes. I pulled it. And apparently that's never happened before. <laughs> was that a bad move? Uh, I mean, I I can only imagine like you are sitting across from me and can see the expression that I just made. Yeah, not I impressed. could feel myself like I can only imagine what it looked like and I almost this is the only time in this entire interview I'm wishing that there was video so that the podcast audience could see the expression that I made <laughs> at what you just said to me and how horrified I was. She just she was looking at me and I kind of was like I kind of did a are you serious? Uh-huh. And she held it for a very long time and I was like fuck it. But that gag is not on the Netflix special. So on the Netflix special nobody is pulling her finger. Touches her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Man, you really were sitting up close. I was very close, yeah. Um and what it what did she say other than that nobody has ever done that before? Oh, I mean, she she laughingly said that and then carried on with the rest of the show. Sure. Have you not washed your hands since? Since you touched oh, your celebrity yeah. I, I, crash? I, I, went, I went a few days, <laughs> but uh, eventually I caved and had to shower. And it's hard to shower with gloves on. So. Sure. But then, uh, yeah, I gave her a gift bag at the end of the of the end of the show. So yes, I saw, I saw a video of there said is, gift bag. There is video. There was three gifts in it. And she went through it in front of everyone. And yes. then we got a photo together in front of the entire theater. Like no one had left the theater at this point. Uh-huh. She was doing her applause and all that stuff. And uh, that was interesting. Interesting. Yeah. She also gave me her assistant's email address. Oh. To let her know when I'm going to see her next, which might be <laughs> her preemptively preparing for another gift bag. <laughs> no, that is you getting your that is getting your seat moved is what is happening. Hey, like let me know if you're coming so that I can change with goddamn seat you're sitting in you psychopath. <laughs> Everyone thought that was cool when it happened, but now I'm rethinking ah. that. <laughs> yeah, bro, so cool. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I am teasing. Uh, I am teasing. Are you? I, I, I'm not sure anymore, You're not teasing. to be honest. No. I mean, am I ever, eh, you know, kidding, not kidding. Oh, that's what, what is comedy, right? <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a truth teller, bro. Don't try to censor me. Free speech. C- can I use those arguments while I'm sitting in the audience? Yeah. What arguments? I thought you were doing an impression of me doing free speech. And- no. This is me. Yeah. I'm, I don't, I've lost We've the lost thread. this. What are I don't we know. talking about? I don't know. Uh. I thought we were talking about how I was courting Whitney Cummings. <laughs> oh, was that you courting her? <laughs> I mean, it was the best idea I had. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I liked it better when we were confused in terms of what we were talking about. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> your friend, one of the uh, ladies in the Lady Show, opened up for Whitney Cummings. Fatima? Fatima. Fatima Del Rey. Yeah, she killed it. Absolutely, of it was course. amazing. She's hilarious. This city has so many comedic talents. It's it's so strong. Yeah, it's a really really strong comedy scene for sure. But one of the things we talked about, and it was sort of in the lead up to doing the live show, was how the stakes are kind of low here. Like if you really blow up in Vancouver, you talked about that. No, but you you planted that seed about how even if you do well in the comedy scene in Vancouver, Toronto might not have heard of you. Well, that's in. I mean, another factor in the headlining for the first time while I recorded my album was that that decision does get made mm. out in Toronto. And I think mm. this is true of it. It's not specific to Vancouver. Exactly. I think mm-hmm. Canada also has a little bit of an infor- inferiority complex and even in every city does. So if you, let's say you're some kind of artist in Calgary and that's where you start and everyone see, let's say you're even just, you're a musician, let's say, yeah. and you are at open mics and you're, or you're getting a band together and everyone sees your first gigs. It's very hard in that scene to be acknowledged as something other than an opening band or a new band, unless 
you get some sort of third party endorsement or like there's something happens. And usually that means leaving town. So even if you just move. And so then that is it feels like what happened in my case, because I went to New York for four months and mm-hmm. all of a sudden. Yeah. And, and of course. And then I also had a, an American record label on board who wanted to make my album. Oh, OK. And now, you know, now I'm someone who they can take seriously in a way that they weren't six months prior. And uh, does that say something about Vancouver in general or Canada in general, perhaps, where you almost need outside validation? Yeah, yeah. I think it says something about <laughs> we, Canada for sure. We won't like build up our own stars. Yeah. No, I, yeah, for sure. That I mean, and I mean, it happens. It's the same like, I mean, it's like, uh, it's like how you don't, it's like not wanting to date someone until someone else is dating them. And then you're like, well, oh. I just see you in this different light now. Oh, <laughs> oh someone, someone found you desirable? What is wrong with me? That I, I mean, I too. Me also. I want the thing. You are circling back real good to this idea of culture mirroring the comedy scene or whatever else. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I like that. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. So it's more human nature than anything. We're all like that, is what you're saying. Yeah, I think we're all like that. And then I think Canada also just has it and we have an extra serving. Is it just because our our market's too small? Like, And I'm thinking about Vancouver in particular, mm-hmm. where to get that star status or whatever. I mean, we are, quote unquote, a global city. We're connected with the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. But in terms of building up a local talent, just because we're not that big of a city, you need to almost be heard of doing something somewhere else. Yeah, well, and I think that's true of the entertainment industry in Canada mm-hmm. in general. I mean, if you made a television show and every single Canadian watched, every person in this entire nation yeah. watched that television show, which is obviously impossible, mm-hmm. um, it still would not compare to, it would be, you know, some, it would rank a lo- among some reality baking show that no one has heard of, you know, and say so it would be like, It'd be nothing because we just don't have very many people. Yeah. Here. Yeah. It's a real big place. And is that? I mean, I know you have your visa now to go to the states and work there. Yes. And is that sort of your next move? Is that you feel like you do have to seek those opportunities elsewhere? And that's not new. I mean, Ivan Decker did it. Mm-hmm. Gavin Matz is down there. A bunch of other people from Vancouver have kind of made that move. Yeah, it's a very it's a very common story. There's lots of reasons to stay in Vancouver, but the reasons to stay in Vancouver are largely lifestyle mm-hmm. based. They're not typically opportunity based. It's individuals who are able to usually somehow if they're doing other type of work in addition to stand up. Mm. You know, Charlie Demers is a great example. So he as he has published a lot of books. He's sold a mm-hmm. screenplay. He does a lot of voiceover work. And, you know, he has a young family here mm-hmm. and it's a beautiful place to live. And he's from here, from here. You know, he's a he's a Vancouver local born and bred. Um, and but it's not a yeah, it's not a new story. Yeah. But Vancouver is, in my opinion, an excellent place to develop as an artist and to get stage time and to become mm-hmm. and, and develop your voice for the reason that there are incredible acts living here and working here. So you get held to a really high standard all the time because audiences are seeing exceptional, extraordinary, in my opinion, some of the best comics working today live here. And then also that lack of industry, for lack of a better word, being present here in Vancouver allows artists to develop in whatever style and whatever voice that they want to. They're not working to some standard to get some one particular gig that has a certain expectation or has Mm. a certain aesthetic or a certain uh, thing that they like or they've seen someone get successful doing a certain thing. Uh, So, I mean, that sounds gross to be like, well, there's there's no way to get successful here, so you can do whatever you want. (laughs) But there's a real freedom in that and there's a real creativity in that. And I see that the acts for me that come out of Vancouver tend to be very multifaceted or varied from one another Mm. you don't i don't see like oh that's a vancouver style yeah yeah that's that's a good way to to look at it because vancouver is diverse and Mm -hmm. sometimes when you go to the comedy club whether it's yuck yucks or some of the smaller shows that are put on the comedy presented is very diverse right it's not like all clean or all blue or you know uh, or all woke or all 
offensive. <laughs> it's a, it is a mix, right? And mm-hmm. you'll get, especially when you get those evenings where it's like six comics and they're all doing ten minutes or whatever. Real mixed bag. <laughs> Absolutely. Thema- thematically, yeah, very yeah. different. Yeah, yeah definitely. Well, Which so- it's an interesting thing about comedy in that way because you would never go to just see music. Yeah. I'm going to music tonight and have no <laughs> sense of what was going to be presented to you. Right. And then also, yeah, it'd be like some guy comes out and plays a tuba and then there's a rock band following it and then there's a flute solo and then there's someone that just does like, I don't know, mouth percussion. Yeah. I think like that's not, and, but that's essentially what you're seeing in a comedy show. That would be an show. awesome show though. Yeah, be really rad. <laughs> but nobody would do that. But also people will go out to just a comedy show and then let's say they don't enjoy it. And now they're like, well, I don't, I don't like stand-up comedy. Yeah. Because it's all just marketed with this one. It's comedy. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to laugh at something, hopefully. You know, the co- it's comedy. <laughs> uh, and yeah, and shows uh, also, you might see someone who's been doing comedy for two weeks, or you might see someone who's been doing comedy for 20 years and has the same label. I went to see a comedy show. Right. But if you go out to a music show... And it's not good. You're not like, no, I went to live music before. I didn't care for it. <laughs> I'm done. When I gave it a shot. Well, I went one time. It was not good. Yeah. It was I'll very never awkward. see music again. <laughs> I'm just not a music fan. Since we're talking about Vancouver, I was just at the Golden Owl Awards, which are like awards for nightlife and hospitality. Was it a hoot? All right. <laughs> Professional comedy right over here. Mm-hmm. Put on the spot. That was pretty good. Okay. <laughs> I'm a fan of dad jokes too, so I guess it's uh, yeah, it works yeah. for me. Mm-hmm. But I feel like they missed a bunch of categories at their awards ceremonies. Ooh. So do you want to go through some important best of Vancouver categories with me? So I'll throw out the category. Sure. And then you give me your opinion. We don't have to do rapid fire. You can just tell me what you think and, and, and maybe why if you want to. Best comedy or variety show in the city? Ooh, that's an excellent question. Uh, I mean, I'm going to I'm gonna divide it up. The best variety show in the mm-hmm. city and one of the best things that happens in Vancouver, I talked about it when we did uh, This is Van, this is Van Color Live, mm-hmm. uh, is Talent Time. Talent Time yeah. at the Rio. It happens once a month. Paul Anthony has been running it for over 11 years. It is unsustainable. I have no idea how he does it. And I don't know. I mean, he would tell you the same. I think it's insane. And what, an, what a crazy labor of love this show is but it is absolutely magical it is the most variety show variety shows you could possibly see Mm -hmm. you can't ever anticipate what will be on that stage except that it will be beautiful and it will be extraordinarily fun and i could not recommend this show more highly (laughs) everyone should check it out talent time paul anthony's high time at the rio and then the best and then uh and then i'm gonna split it up even further the best improv show is sunday service every sunday at Fox Cabaret. These are the most talented improvisers I have legit ever seen. And nothing makes me laugh harder than the Sunday service shows. I will be cry laughing. And it's, again, it's every Sunday. And then the best stand up show is the Laugh Gallery that is at Havana every Monday night at nine. And it's hosted by Graham Clark, who's a gift to humanity. There are so many shows here. So there's shows. so much to do. And that's yeah. what we talked about on the live show as well, where people say, oh, there's nothing to do in Vancouver, but they just need to. Look, <laughs> there's so many great things going on. I'm yeah. so, so excited right now about a lot of the young comics coming up. I mean, there's mm-hmm. a lot of, I mean, I'm just moderately uh, obsessed with Gen Z anyway. I just think they're the greatest kids and I love everything that they're doing and they sure. are my benchmark for uh, so many things. And I turn to them for a lot of guidance. Of like, oh, yeah, you're right. It's that thing that you noticed that we've all been doing for decades is bad. <laughs> I guess we could change it. What a great idea. Uh, and there's a wonderful show called Millennial Line. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, which is uh, run by two fabulous comics, one named Tin and one named uh, Savannah Erasmus. And it's a combination of stand-up comedy and poetry, which is a uh, on the surface to me an odd combination. And it could not work better. And it's so beautiful. And all the artists are vulnerable and funny and interesting and it's just an incredible space and again that's a monthly show as well at Redgate and they have a show coming up it's part of the oh, Big Fun Fest uh-huh. is this Thursday I don't know when the show is you were on it you were just on all the events I love I'm just it. really excited about what people are doing <laughs> in the city there's so many wonderful things 
Best neighborhood for a good time. Oh, best neighborhood for a good time. Mm. I mean, I want to say East Van, but that's a very large neighborhood. It is, yeah. It's I was like hoping you'd be big. a little more specific. Right, a little than more that. specific. I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I don't have one for. I don't. No. Okay. How do you answer that one? I was going to say, like, Main Street from 12th Street and up. Like, I guess going to, I don't know what street it would go to, but that area I like. So yeah. Some nice restaurants there. A lot of vegan options. <laughs> Fact. Speaking yeah. of vegan options, best cauliflower wings. Ooh, that's a tough crown. Mm-hmm. A lot of competition on these streets. Um, yeah, I don't know. What's this, up, hot dog? Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah. I got to go with meat. Meat. I, I think they just, I know it's the popular one, but. No, they are great. Those yeah, are excellent wings. They're pretty good. Yeah, yeah. But also this is like that pro wrestling championship that can be traded <laughs> and, and, and yeah. around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, it's up for grabs. <laughs> Come in hot with them cauliflower wings. Best first date spot. Ugh, ugh gross. Ooh, Best public breakup spot. Oh, no. Break up on the phone. What am I, an animal? <laughs> Come on. Have some respect. <laughs> best tourist. Well, what are your ins? Oh, well, I'm not, I'm not going to okay. go blind on that. But best first date spot, I think it's a seasonal thing. Depends on the season. Oh, yeah. bold. Okay. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. Sure. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, best public breakup spot, I think you got to go with the generic Starbucks. Get in, get out. See you later. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, it depends on the relationship too. I, I mean, I think callous. it's seasonal too because I'd want to go and like do it at a public skating rink, choreograph a number, really get into it, put some razzle dazzle in your you heart. You want break. an activity for the public breakup? Yeah, go zip lining. <laughs> this just isn't working out. Wee! So you yell it while you're on the zip line or while they're going on the. Yeah, zip yeah, line. just like peace. <laughs> and then I, then I slide the. The ca- sort of cowardly way would be when they're on the zip line and they're like zip lining away from you and then you just yell it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think we should see other people. <laughs> if I ever have the opportunity and want to break up with someone, I'm going to try to do it around an activity. Yeah, have fun with it. Right? <laughs> Get in there, shuffleboard, do whatever. You know, it, it, even it if up. it's unpleasant, at least we did something. Yeah. Right? For sure. <laughs> Plus, then, like, that's a great story. And also, let's say, let's say mm-hmm. that someone took me ziplining yeah. and then broke up with me. Yeah. And I'd be like, well, now I don't have to be with someone who goes fucking ziplining. <laughs> it's great. You know, I think it would really soften the blow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, ad- adrenaline, anything involving adrenaline, sure. Sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Katie Allen, how do people follow you in 2020? When does the album drop? Ladyfinger, right? Yeah, yeah. Ladyfinger. When does it drop? Uh, I mean, it, we don't have a release date now. I'm aiming for February 2020. Okay. So yeah, keep an eye on that. Uh, best place to follow me is on uh, Twitter, M-S-K-A-T-I-E-E-L-L-E-N. That's at Ms. Katie Allen. And uh, it's the same handle on Instagram, but there is an underscore between Katie and Ellen. So M-S, Ms. K-A-T-I-E. E-L-L-E-N. Well, I just want to say I feel very blessed that I can call you my friend. Aww. And I'm so blessed that you're my first three-time guest. Three P, y'all. We're not going to argue it. The live show counts. That's a... That yeah, it's unarguable. I left my house. I showed up. I sat down in chair. I talked to him. Where the, you have to talk to me for an hour. <laughs> you cannot take this away from me. That counts towards the total. I'm so grateful that you made time again to do my my podcast. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Ladies and gentlemen, she is one of the funniest people in this city. She is Katie Ellen Humphreys, and I am Mo Amir, telling you that in a city where you can be anything, be colorful. Peace. Not for any reason, but do you want to go ziplining?